uh, in our series on the book of Mark. And this morning we want to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And so I want to begin this morning looking at the Word, because what we want to do is we want to, we want to come to God's Word, and we want to look at God's Word, and we want to listen to what He has to say so that we can uh, understand and apply this. So we want to start looking at His Word. And this is Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And we have an overhead for this. says this, and a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord, having read your word. Lord, we've read it with our eyes, we've read it with our mind, and now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you will help us to read it from our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will uh, come this morning, Lord, and just dwell among us. Lord, you teach spiritual things to spiritual people. And Lord, without your Holy Spirit, we cannot understand anything. So I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will be among us, Lord, speaking to our spirits that we might hear what you have to say for us. In your name we pray, amen. So I want you to picture this. It's the time of Jesus' ministry. And it's a bright, sunny day. And we're standing at the foot of this mountain. And the sun, as we look up, is shining in our eyes. And so you put your hand out just to block the sun, just to see what's going on. And coming down from this mountain is a big crowd. And in the middle of this big crowd is Jesus. These people are all around Jesus as he's coming down this mountain. And they're hanging on every word that he says. They're trying to get close enough into him so that they can hear what it is he has to say. He has just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And they're astonished at his teaching because he taught different than what the priest did. He taught as someone who had authority. And we're watching this, and we're seeing this crowd around Jesus. And all of a sudden, the crowd parts. There's a sense of panic almost as people separate. And through this opening comes a man, and he's got bandages all over. And he's missing some of his fingers. He's missing some of his toes. There's open uh, sores that are on his body. And he throws himself down on Jesus' feet. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Just imagine what that would be like as the crowds part out and this guy comes forward. Our passage today is about this man, this leper, and what Jesus has done for him. See, he's a leper who comes to Jesus and he asks to be made clean. 
But in order to understand this story this morning, we need to understand leprosy. We need to understand what it meant in that culture and in that day. So the Bible word for leprosy could mean anything from like a small rash to full-blown leprosy as we, as we think about it. Someone with full-blown leprosy would, would have white patches on their skin. They would have running sores. They would lose their fingers. They would lose their toes. It was a very, very horrible disease. It was, it was one of the most feared diseases of all to get was leprosy. And so if that same word is used for a rash or full-blown leprosy, and this story is in the first chapter of Mark's gospel, do you think it was just a rash? that Jesus healed? Because <laughs> when I went through that, I'm trying to think, well, what, what did it look like? Was it just a rash? I'm thinking, think of all the miracles that Jesus did, right? There was people who are blind, they can't see, and he gives them sight. There's people who are paralyzed and can't walk, and he gives them the ability to walk. They jump up, they say, and start walking. There are people who are dead, and he raises them to life. So when we come to this story, and if this makes the Bible, so to speak, how could it be just a rash? It has to be full-blown leprosy in order for it to have the impact of what these other stories have, this impact of it all. So, um, with leprosy, besides that being that physical part, there's also different things that affect, it, it affects their whole life. It's one of these uh, things that everything they do, it affects. So it affects them uh, financially, affects them religiously, it affects, it affects them socially. Financially, they would have been poor right? Because they couldn't be with the other people working. And so they would have relied on the charity of others to support them. Uh, religiously, they were ceremonially unclean. They couldn't come in contact with anyone at all. Because if they con came in contact with someone, the person that they came in contact with, then they too become unclean. And if you're unclean, you couldn't go to the temple and you couldn't worship with all the people. So in essence, you were cut off from God and the ability to worship with other people. Socially, look at this. This is in, we have an overhead for this, and it's in the Bible. This is found in the book of Leviticus, and it's chapter 13, verses 45 through 46. And just listen to what it was like for the life of a leopard. He says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip, and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. These people were outcasts. These people couldn't go to weddings or a feast or a festival or even a birthday party. And think about what they had to wear and what they had to say, right? They had to wear tore clothes, old clothes. They couldn't do anything with their hair. It was supposed to be kept undone. And if anyone came anywhere near them, they'd crowd unclean. I am unclean. I am unclean. Anytime anyone came, came near them. You know, it's bad enough to, to, to have a disease like that. It's bad enough to feel like that. But to have to announce it? You have to let everyone who comes by know that I'm unclean. You couldn't hide at all. There was, no, there was no hiding in that sense. Everyone knew you. Everyone knew what was wrong. Everyone knew what it was like to be you. Now, although we don't have 
leprosy. Can you relate to some of the things that this man would have been going through? Can you relate to the sense of being lonely? To the sense of being isolated? To the sense of being ashamed? To the sense of everyone knowing that you were unclean? Is there something in your life that makes you feel unclean? Or is there something in your life that alienates you, that isolates you from other people or from God? Do you feel like people look down on you? Do you feel like people judge you? See, when they looked at leprosy, what they really saw was sin because they thought that leprosy was God's judgment for sin. So they saw leprosy, they saw sin, and they saw God's judgment for sin. And so, as we think about it, what sins keep you from God? What sins keep you from the fellowship of other people? And so, there was different degrees of leprosy. And there's different degrees of sin. And by different degrees of sin, what I mean is that all sin in itself is selfishness. And so all sin, just by its very nature, tends to isolate you, withdraw you from the fellowship of other people. But some sins are hidden, right? And some sins people don't see. It says that all sin will be revealed eventually, but there's some that can hide and that you can't see. But there are some certain sins that are worse for alienating us from other people. And they make us feel unclean and they make us want to hide. And we're really afraid that anyone will find out about them. We're afraid that if they find out, what are they going to say? What will they think? Will they judge us? And we struggle with these, with these things. So, if we struggle with these sins, if we struggle with these sins that alienate us, or that isolate us, that keep us from fellowship, from other people, what do we do about those things? What do we do about these sins that cause these things to happen? We do exactly what the leper did. See, the leper heard about Jesus. And this leper sees him coming down from the mountain. And this leper sees the crowds that are, that are all around him. And his heart must have been racing. Because think about it. He's here. And he sees Jesus over here. But there's this big crowd that's in between Jesus and himself. And he has to get through this crowd in order to see Jesus. And he fears crowds. And crowds fear him. And just think about the faith that he had to go up and to walk through that crowd, to walk through those people, to walk through to Jesus. And so when we see him walking through there, we see this faith that this leper has towards what Jesus can do. He has faith that he can make him clean. He has faith enough to walk through that crowd. And we see his humility in this too, right? Because he walks through the crowd and he just throws himself at Jesus' feet. He just lies at his feet and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And so he understands Jesus' authority and he understands Jesus' sovereignty because he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Because see, he knows, he understands Jesus' Uh, sovereignty and authority because this isn't a lack of faith. He's not saying, if you're able to, you can make me clean. He's saying, if you will, 
you can make me clean. And so he sees Jesus' authority and he sees Jesus' sovereignty. He knows that Jesus can do this, but he's saying, if you will. And he realizes that Jesus doesn't always heal because he says, if you will. There are some times when God doesn't heal us, when God says, my grace is sufficient for you. When he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And this leper understands this. But he goes through there and he asks Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Now notice in verse 40 as well what he says. He says, make me clean. This is a little bit different than heal me. Because this disease that he has is all-encompassing. This disease that he has drives him away from other people. He is unclean in everybody's eyes, and everybody can see him. And so he says, make me clean. What is he asking for when he says, make me clean? He wants total restoration from Jesus Christ. He not only wants the disease to be gone, but he wants to be whole again. He wants to worship God with others. He wants to be with his family again. He's been an outcast for too long. He's been guilty for too long. He's been ashamed for too long. And so he says, Jesus, will you make me clean? Will you take away my sin? Will you take away my guilt? Will you take away my shame? And God invites us to do that very same thing. And he wants us to come as the leper did in the very same way. He wants us to come in humility. He wants us to come and fall down at his feet and to say, Lord, this sin has alienated me. It has isolated me. It brings me nothing but shame, and it brings me nothing but guilt. It makes me feel like I'm an outcast. And Lord, make me clean. I want to be free from all of this. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to worship you, and I want to have fellowship with your people again. And Jesus gives this to us. Read, look, at, look at 1 John 1.9. We have an overhead for this. Because this is what Jesus promises to the leper, and this is what Jesus promises to us as well. It says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me read that again. If we confess our sin, right? So we confess our sin, listen to what Jesus says he's going to do. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've never, if you've never memorized a single verse in the Bible, memorize 1 John 1.9. If you've memorized a hundred Bible verses, memorize 1 John 1.9. If you've memorized 1 John 1, 9, re-memorize 1 John 1, 9. We've got to get this because this is what Jesus is saying to the leper. This is what he's saying to us. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we add to that Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation at all. We confess our sins. He forgives our sins, and he cleanses us from this unrighteousness, this, this unrighteousness that this leper felt constantly, always, never, ever 
a minute of relief from this, Jesus cleanses us from that unrighteousness. And these sins that we have, that we struggle with, that alienate us and isolate us, Jesus will cleanse us from. He will forgive us and he will cleanse us. This is as important to the new believer as it is to the person who's been a believer for 50 years. Because we all sin. And this sin will separate us from God. This sin will separate us from the fellowship of the other believers. And God is saying, I will forgive you. God is saying that I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is saying, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. How do we know this is true? As we look at verse 41, it says this. It says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said to him, I will be clean. Jesus Christ was moved with pity. Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. He loved this leper before he ever did anything. Before he laid a hand on him, before he spoke a word to him, he loved this man who was full of sin. This man who people probably couldn't even stand to look at, who didn't want to be around, and Jesus Christ loves this person. And we see this love and compassion throughout all the Bible. Matthew 9, 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in his name should have everlasting life. Jesus has compassion on us. We don't always feel it, though, do we? We don't always feel like he has compassion on us. And think about this leper. Prior to meeting Jesus, do you think he felt God had any pity on him? Do you think he felt that God had any compassion on him as he was laying there in his disease and in his sickness and his uncleanliness? What do you think he felt? Do you think he felt that God had pity on him? Compassion? No, he didn't. But when he went to Jesus and he humbled himself, when he asked to be cleansed from his sin, from his unrighteousness, then he felt God's love. He felt God's pity. He felt God's compassion. And then Jesus Christ reaches out to him. He stretches out his hand and he touches him. Remember who this man was, right? He may have been missing fingers. He may have been missing toes. He may have been covered with running sores. He definitely didn't look pretty at all. And no one, absolutely no one would have touched him. And even if they wanted to, they were forbidden to touch him because they too would have been unclean. And there was the risk of actually getting the disease, so no one would have ever touched him at all. But Jesus touches this man. And what's the most amazing thing about it is instead of Jesus becoming unclean, right? Because if they touched him, they'd become ceremonially unclean. In addition to that, they might get the disease. But the amazing thing happens is Jesus touches him, and Jesus doesn't become unclean. The man becomes clean. The man is healed. Nothing like this has ever happened before. But Jesus is sovereign. Jesus has authority over all things. Jesus is in control of all things. He speaks the word, and the man is clean. He speaks the word. He's completely healed. There could be no doubt about it. This was a miracle that took place. And Jesus does this for us. 
Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Jesus cleanses us from those sins that we're afraid to even voice. When we get together in our small groups and people say, we want that sharing time. And what are you struggling with? And there's those things that we don't want to bring up in care group. There's those things that we don't want anybody to know at all. And Jesus is saying, I forgive you for those sins. If you confess your sins, he is faithful, he is unjust. He is just to forgive you your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let's look at verse 34. So here's where we are in the story. The leper comes up, throws himself down. Jesus, Jesus reaches out. He touches him. He heals him. And now Jesus gives instructions for what he should do next. And these instructions just seem odd when you read them. But it says this. He says, um, starting in verse uh, 43, says, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So he tells him two things. He says, Don't say anything to anybody. But go to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses has commanded you, what the law says to do. So, let's take the easy one first. The second one, he's, Jesus tells him to go show himself to the priest. Why does he tell him to do that? Um, the priest had to, um, when, when someone was a leper and it, it appeared that the disease went, they would go to the priest and the priest would examine him. And if the disease was gone, he would... Um, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, so I'm just making this up, but reinstate him into whatever it is. That, it's obviously just a made-up word. Um, but what would happen, right, was they were, they were away and they were unclean. Oh, I guess he, he would declare him clean is what it is. That's the, that's the word. I knew it wasn't in state. But anyway, that, the essence of it is that they're reinstated into everything, right? When the priest looks at him and declares him clean, the priest wasn't making him clean. The, the priest was making an observation. This man is clean. And so they were able to go back in. He was now able to go to the weddings, to go to the feasts, to go to the festival, to go to the, the birthday parties, to be part of the fellowship again, to be part of the body again, to see his family. And so Jesus says, go to the priest and present yourself. But he also says, and offer him the sacrifices as a proof to the priests. So the priests now, if they listen and they look and they understand, they see that Jesus Christ has now cleansed this man. And if they look at it as, um, as sin, right? So they, they looked at it as the punishment for sin and, then, and Jesus heals this person. They see that Jesus can, can forgive sins. And if they're willing to, they can see that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So Jesus says, go to them. Go to the priests. So the second thing he says is don't tell anyone. Now that really seems odd, right? Here's this, here's this miracle that happens, just an amazing miracle that happens. And Jesus says, don't, don't tell anyone. And so we see this a couple different times in Mark. And so there's a bunch of different reasons why uh, people have said he said this. I'm only going to look at one and how it pertains to, to us this morning. But one of the reasons may have been is Jesus is, is um, starting his ministry. And he does this miracle. And people are amazed. And it even says before this that people were coming to be healed. And it says he was up all night healing him or late into the night. And so people are coming from all over the place. Jesus came to preach. 
Jesus came to proclaim the gospel. And if he's only known as a miracle worker, there's a chance that people won't hear the word. They will only come to him for miracles. And we see this right after he feeds the 5,000. He's got the fishes and he's got the loaves. He feeds the 5,000 people out of these, uh, uh, I think it was two loaves and seven fish. Um, it was a small amount of either one, either way. And 5,000 people are fed. When they're, all, when they're finished, there's 12 baskets left over full of food, more than what they started with. And so he goes across the lake and they follow him and they're asking him for more signs. They're asking him for more miracles. They want to go see this miracle worker. And so one of the possible reasons suggested was that Christ didn't want to be seen as this miracle, but his preaching is what he wanted to go through. Now, there's many other reasons, and we're just not going to take the time. And as we go through Mark, we're going to look at some of those other, other possible reasons. Um, but so think about this now. So we want to try to figure out what he's saying. So he tells the man that he heals, don't tell anyone. They connected leprosy with sin, right? This was God's punishment for sin. Jesus Christ cleanses them of, of the leprosy. Implication is that he, that he forgives his sins. The wrath of God has now been taken away, and he is now forgiven. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. So the question becomes, is that command for us as well? Are we to not tell anyone? Are we to be quiet and not say a thing when Jesus forgives us? When Jesus cleanses us from our unrighteousness? The answer is obviously no. We are not to do that at all, right? He tells us to tell everyone. He says that we are to be witnesses. We are to tell our friends. We are to tell our family. We are to tell our co-workers that Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins, that Jesus Christ has healed us from all unrighteousness. So what does the leper do? Does the leper listen to him? Does the leper go to the preach, show himself, and be quiet? No, not at all. And verse 45 says that he went out and he began to talk freely about it. He said that he spread the word to anyone, to anyone at all that would listen. This man was so excited about what God had done in his life that he couldn't remain silent. He felt like he had to tell everyone what God has done for him. This is what we are called to do as well. So what was the, what was the result? What happened after that? We see this in this last verse as well. And this is verse uh, 45. It says, But he went out and began to talk freely about it, to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him for every quarter. So if Jesus is here to preach the gospel, if he's here to preach the word, where are most of the people going to be? They're going to be in the towns. And they're going to be in the cities. And yet now he can't even go to the cities because there's so many people. So he's out into the desolate areas, it says. But you know what? God brings people out to this desolate area where Christ is. God draws them in. It says they come from every quarter to go to where Jesus is. So Jesus came to save those who were lost. He came for the forgiveness of sins. And this will not be stopped. And so even if he's out in the desolate places, God still draws people to him. So as we look at this whole story, we want to now ask ourselves, where are we today? Where are we today when it comes to this? Are you, are you struggling 
Are you struggling with some sin that alienates you? Are you struggling with some sin that, that makes you feel unclean? Some sin that you fear other people will find out about? If so, go to Jesus. Confess your sin. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter how big the sin is, God is bigger. Doesn't matter how bad the sin is, God is greater. It doesn't matter how tight the bonds of sin is, God will free you from that sin. Perhaps your sin is in judging those around you. Maybe you look at others and all you see are lepers around you. And you say, that sin is too great. God can't forgive that person. That person is too bad. He can't be changed. That person is too far gone. And you judge them. Maybe that's what your sin is. If so, that very sin is alienating you from fellowship. That sin of judging is alienating you from God. Jesus Christ came to save the lepers around us. Maybe you look at yourself today and you're that leper who was saved. And you know the sin that alienated you. You know the sin that made you feel this way. You know all of these things. You know how people judged you. But now you've been forgiven. And if that case, if this is the case, if that's you, then your job is at least threefold. Number one, praise God for what he has done. Give God glory for what he has done. Worship him. How can you do anything else if he has saved you from sin like that? Number two, tell other people what God has done for you. If you, like that leper, right, as soon as, he's, as, soon as he senses, as soon as he understands that Christ has forgiven him, that Christ has made him clean, he goes out and says he tells everyone. This is what we are to do if we've been forgiven as well. Number three is to reach out to those people who are in the same position now that you were in then. Jesus tells us that after we have turned, we are to strengthen our brothers. There are Christians, brothers and sisters, who every single day struggle with sins, who every single day struggle with these same sins that made you feel the same way. Strengthen them. Remind them that God loves them. Yes, God disciplines those he loves, but he does it in order for them to repent, in order for them to come like this leper does and to cast themselves down at Jesus Christ's feet and to ask to be made clean. So if they're there and if they're feeling God's discipline, don't let it drive them away from God. Help them to draw them to God because these sins will either take us away from God or they'll cause us like the leopard to go through those crowds, to fall down at our feet, at Jesus' feet, um, and to repent. Finally, remember this, that the family of God on earth before Jesus Christ died and was resurrected was seen as the nation of Israel. These were God's people, the nation of, the nation of Israel. And so this leper was 
apart from the nation of Israel. This leper was one of God's people. Was one of God's chosen people, in fact. And yet, he needed Christ to cleanse him. He needed Christ to forgive him. So if you are truly, truly a Christian, but you struggle with some sin like this, and it makes you withdraw from others, and it makes you withdraw from God, then once again, go to Jesus like the leper did. Throw yourself at his feet. Confess your sins. Ask for forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The band can come up as I close in prayer. Actually, before I close in prayer, you know, sometimes when we listen to a message, it's, honestly, it's kind of hard to pay attention the whole time. I know that I do. I do, I do my best, but, I mean, I'm honest, right? We're all people and stuff. And so, as I go through this, I, I was just, just thinking just the importance of this. And I just don't want us to lose this, right? So I just, wanna, just want us to understand all this, right? Because we all sin. And all sin causes us to break away, right? But there's some certain sins that seem to do it more than any other sin. And that's what I wanted to address this morning, was just those, those sins that just draw us away. Those sins that just make us feel so unclean, that make us feel that we just don't have any way to get over it. And I just want you to know that Jesus Christ forgives those sins. This leper was the most outcast person. There was, there was nothing appealable about this guy at all. He was hard to look at. He was hard to be around. People were frightened of him. They didn't want to be anywhere near him at all. And God takes this, just the weakest, the most, uh, you know, if, if they said this is the judgment for sin, this guy is the biggest and the hardest under God's judgment. And Christ forgives us for those sins. And so I just encourage you just this week, just as you're thinking about this, that just that Christ forgives you for any of these sins at all. Father God, we come before you, and it is hard for us to imagine the amount of love that it would take to love someone like this sinner. What it would take to reach out and to touch someone who's untouchable. But you did. And Lord, you do it for us as well, Lord. You forgive us. You forgive us for those sins that we think are socially acceptable, that aren't that big of a deal. And you forgive us for these grave sins, Lord. These sins that eat away at our inside. These sins that make us afraid to even want to go to church on Sunday morning. Who, want to, who make us afraid to go to care group during the week, Lord. And you forgive those sins. And it is an amazing thing. Not only do you forgive them, but you loved us so much to die on the cross for them, Lord. And so we just praise you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. And I just pray that everyone here, Lord, will just throw themselves at your feet. Lord Jesus, will light the leopard, break through the crowds, Lord. He feared crowd. Crowds feared him. And he went in, Lord actively seeking your forgiveness, actively confessing your sins, actively throwing himself, Lord, and you 
out of love and compassion, reached out and you touched him. You spoke the word and all sin was forgiven. We just praise you, O Lord, in your precious, your holy name. Amen. Can you hear me now? Thank you. Thank you. I just think of this this guy that was 